0: All right. It is Monday. What am I saying? Wednesday, May 9th, 2018. And this is the promotional malpractice live chat. Welcome everyone. I got to get a new holder. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Bit of a late start. I apologize, but here we are just the same. We'll go for about 84 minutes or so. Talking about the latest and greatest in mixed martial arts, maybe a little bit beyond as well. Best place to get your questions in are going to be where this window is embedded uh, on MMAfighting.com. And you can also tweet me at LThomasNews and uh, use the hashtag chat wrappers. And I'll get to them at the last 15 minutes of the chat. So there we are. Okay. Uh, what is that? All right. First question, as we pull this up here, I don't think there's any housekeeping notes to get to. All right. First question, revisiting the UFC, ESPN, NBC rumor. Oh, this was the Therese Owens one, right? Given the facts that we now know, which remaining rumor parts from the Therese Owen report last month still seem plausible 320 million, assuming the second TV deal lands about 170, which does seem doable. Six pay per views a year. We'll get to that in just a second. Retiring tough. That does seem, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, Two new weight classes, men's 165 and women's 105. Certain fighters exclusive of certain networks, NBC or Fox or another broadcast partner paying for event production on their respective network. Also, does this put pressure on Fox to bargain with the UFC on assumingly less lucrative contract terms, more money for fewer events or will it ease negotiations now that Wme basically split its original 400 million target between the two parties? It really depends on what Fox wanted. Um, did they want the whole shebang uh, or did they want just part of it? Remember they, were, they originally put in a bid even over three billion to purchase the UFC. Uh, Reuters broke a story this week. I don't know if you guys saw it. didn't get much play in the media, but it seems like it should. That NASCAR, the original family that o- owns NASCAR, it looks like they're putting it up for sale and they're expecting billions. With Fox needing some kind of access to sports rights, they might be in the business of purchasing that. So uh, I guess well, it, it, that part really depends on what they wanted, And without being in the room, that's just hard to say. So, uh, But the rest of the moving parts around it are interesting and plus of course you know wwe and fox appear to be having some kind of a uh, um, relationship oh you know what i said no housekeeping notes i lied you are going to hear my dogs either at least once or perhaps intermittently uh go ape s as my wife comes home from a work trip and construction people come in and out so i will i've tried to minimize it but them's the facts all right. So the could the second TV deal net 170 million? Yes. Would they retire? Tough. It seems like they might. Certainly, the new ESPN Plus deal has featured in the release the contender series being exclusive to them, at least some part of it, anyway. Two new weight classes: 165 and 105. F- effing hope not. Certain fighters exclusive to certain networks that doesn't seem true, and we'll see what the other part is. So. Um. The thing that stands interesting to me is the retiring of tough, which they might, and then the six pay-per-views a year. That's the interesting one to me because it really depends on – I mean, I find this announcement of UFC and ESPN Plus very interesting for a lot of reasons. One is that they did not clarify things very well. I was surprised that they didn't do some kind of – conference call yesterday to clarify what was what i guess they wanted to avoid questions about the television side which is still up for grabs so maybe that's what it was i don't really know but um in any event they left a lot that was just hard to figure out so it was not a very good like either it was written intentionally to be confusing or the folks that wrote it did a bad job it's what it's one of the two um in any event the six pay per views a year part it stands out to me as something that there might be some truth to folks were complaining about espn plus now if you recall this live chat several weeks ago like when the f- service first started i paid the 50 bucks for one year to get espn plus and i rooted around and it as the system was launched and it's terrible it's absolutely terrible now you're, now a couple things about that will it be terrible by january 1 2019 when the service launches for the ufc I, I suspect it'll be dramatically improved. I was literally looking at it in what appeared to be something just past beta stage, not even fully into its you know ready to go um, position as a platform. Um, so it was terrible. But I was like, well, let's see what happens with it. Obviously, you know signing with the UFC is going to be important for getting subscribers to it but the six pay-per-view part how does that relate to it well folks are saying oh my god i got to pay for fight pass of course a cable package or at least you know even a cord cutter package youtube tv sling hulu whatever i don't know if hulu gets it but you get the idea something like that uh direct tv now or whatever and then of course now you're going to add this on top plus the pay-per-views i mean this is just way too much this is just way too much money and my response to that is well i I don't know what exactly what their plan is however if someone told you you could buy one pay-per-view for let's say 60 dollars, and it may cost more than that but let's just say it did or you can get 15 on espn plus all the other things that espn plus is going to offer you for 50 what would you do you'd say in all likelihood all right i mean do i need to see every pay-per-view probably not i can skip one of those i'll just pay the 50 bucks And get the 15 UFC shows. It's a much better bargain. My point being is. If they cut out. I think they have to cut out more than one pay-per-view. But if they substantially reduce their pay-per-view load. Let's say somewhere down to nine. This one says six. But let's say nine. um, I think some of the belly aching about the ESPN Plus deal. Which as it stands now is confusing for fans. As I mentioned. And seems like they're just adding additional costs. At that point there would be a different calculus. I've also seen certain reports, although none of them are confirmed, that if you get ESPN+, Plus, it would have the cost of Fight Pass so your overall cost wouldn't go up. There's a lot of other ways they could do that. I'm just saying, if they are going to go down to six pay-per-views a year structurally as a way to improve the pay-per-view experience, then also as a fan crying at that point, and I'm using the word crying, but you know, being uh, objecting to the idea there would be yet something more to pay for, it wouldn't really pan out. Yes, some of that stuff you'd be getting in a way that you wouldn't have to worry about already, but with the changing landscape, for the price of less than one pay-per-view, you get 15-plus if you're into MLS, and I don't know why you would be if you like good soccer, but neither here nor there, you would get all of that. All the 30-for-30s are on there. Top-ranked boxing is on there, and God knows what else they're going to add to that between now and then, so there could be some significant improvement to the platform. Um, I, I think, to me just having the cost of how having like cutting half halving the cost of the um fight pass if you get espn plus is not enough i think if you drop the number of pay-per-views that makes it a lot more palatable it still creates other complicating factors where you're online for this one you're online for that one what's the deal in this country what's the deal in that country are you on tv today are you still asking too much monetarily from your fan base Maybe so. Is this the right kind of exposure? These are all separate questions. But in terms of costs, if they take away some of those pay-per-views, I I don't know that the criticisms of the, as it pertains to, are you paying too much would hold up at that point. Because there's an argument to make that um, you'd actually be paying less overall, depending on your consumer preferences, obviously. it says, I've never paid for Fight Pass, and I don't feel like I've missed anything. I'm not going to pay for ESPN Plus either, and I doubt I'll miss much. Another brilliant move by ESPN. I don't see how they lose. Excuse me. I don't see how they don't lose money on this deal. Um, I don't know the economics of the deal, so that's a little hard for me to comment on. And then as it pertains to WME UFC, if you make it harder and harder for me to watch your product, I'm not going to watch it. There is that where the paywall might not be that much relative to what you were spending before, and in some ways could be less depending on how they restructure it, but you're not setting up merely a paywall in terms of dollars, you're setting up a sort of an institutional paywall, an effort paywall, right? It's very easy for me to go home. Let's go for example, hold on. Let me illustrate this with an example. So today, who plays? in basketball what is a game that is happening today today it's the seventy sixers versus the Boston Celtics so I know um let's see I'll just type in how to watch Philadelphia versus Boston because I know it's probably on TNT or NBA channel but um there we go the answer TNT it's going to be the TD Garden so if i'm a fan of this and i look forward to watching dave shawler 76ers just get clowned then all i have to do is come home turn on the remote boom very effortless maybe i have to search exactly what channel it's on i'll pull up my guide you know i'll search on the guide or i'll speak into the remote or, or whatever situation you have it's relatively painless if on the other hand you know you have to start getting dongles to set up you know, Chromecasts or download apps or whatever, you're just asking for a certain, you're, you're, you're eliminating a portion of your fan base that, believe it or not, this is going to sound crazy, requires a degree of, of streaming or digital literacy or digital willingness to go to those steps to watch it. You know, when MMA was this underground commodity, you, and this was, of course, before all these tools were around, this would have been a godsend. And in the future, I think there'll be more literacy about these kinds of things. But in the meantime, at a very sort of sensitive transition point, are you asking for a workload from a casual audience or some kind of larger portion of the audience beyond the hardcores to make steps that they're either unwilling or can't make? That that I don't know the answer to that, but that is certainly something they're wrestling with. Someone says Fight Pass has been a complete bust. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. They make tens of millions off that every month. Uh, well, not every month, but they make they make millions off of it every month, and they've not even put anything close to their best content on there. Like The notion that that's a bust is simply not true. Moreover, people are like, oh, is Fight Pass going away? Fight Pass can't go away. I mean, I suppose anything can go away, right? Um, but it really can't because for several reasons one it's a main or in some cases exclusive pathway to watch ufc content in, in countries and this is a sport that has global appeal so like either it's your main way or predominant way or your sole way to watch ufc content ufc knows this they're not going to shut that down right so they can't go plus there's a bigger issue at play here invicta gets invicta airing on fight pass is not an accident right? Invicta, I've always said about it. What is the best part about Invicta? Well, maybe you could say the action. Sure. You could say the fact that it produces so many great um, uh, female fighters that graduate up through the ranks and go to the UFC. M- maybe that's it. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's not a money-making enterprise. I mean, maybe it makes some money. I don't know. I, I don't think that it probably does. But that's not the point. The point is that it has always, to me, acted like a nonprofit whose mission was not to worry about making money but to do right by the sport and then set up the UFC to take their resources for them to make money down the line. They have them on Fight Pass because they pay them a stipend to be there that either covers their costs or keeps them afloat or maybe helps them make money or, or whatever the situation is. Again, without knowing the specifics, it's a, it's a little hard to be certain about that. But the, 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 you get the idea. It's not designing like, well, what fights can we make to really, to really sell out the Scottish Right Temple? That's it, not, not what they're doing. What They're doing is and Shannon Nap was clear about this when Invicta was launched. No more, you know, they yes, they'll occasionally do catch weights, but you should have seen women's MMA before Invicta came along. And 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 they're not the only ones who tried to fix it, but they've done a pretty good job of it, where it would just be like, Hey, we're gonna have two women fight at 137 and they're both you know flyweights or you know, just some crazy thing, there weren't enough weight classes, it wasn't promoted the right way, it wasn't there, just wasn't enough structure and architecture around it. And they've tried to provide that. I don't think that's a money-making enterprise. I don't think you can make money that way at that level of the game. So if they're not making money, I wouldn't blame them. Point being is, look at all these shows that are on Fight Pass that get a UFC stipend, right? At a bare minimum, in the case of Invicta, you need that for your own purposes. What are you going to do? You're going to kill off Fight Pass. Where would Invicta go? Who is going to who's going to treat Invicta like the UFC does? Who's going to have that relationship with it? I, I just don't see that as very likely um, or very simple. And uh, for that reason, it can stay around. Like, does every show that's on um, Fight Pass need to stay around? No. I mean, do they need EBI? I, I don't know what their numbers are. I tend to think probably not, but I could be wrong. Maybe they do. But there are other ones on there that they, they maybe can get rid of, but not that one. They, there are things that Fight Pass does that has nothing to do with, hey, i want to just turn on and watch Great MMA. They want you to watch that. Invicta stuff, of course, but what they really needed it for is to build up talent that they can take. Um, Can't get rid of that. The quality is terrible. 720p in 2018. Is it 720p? How much is a viewer really worth, somebody asks. They are spending $10 million per episode, but that's not what they're spending. Remember, they're going to get the Contender Series on there, access to the library. They're paying for a lot more. GSP versus Nate Diaz. God, kill me, please. The UFC is in talks with GSP and Nate for a potential fight at UFC 227. What do you think about this matchmaking? I think it's terrible. Can you discuss this matchmaking up against the other alternatives for these two at 155 and 170? How would you match up the big names at 55 and 70 with GSP and Nate in the mix? By the way, what do you think about GSP at 155 given that his last fight was at 185? I think he can make the weight no problem. I, I, I when, when, G, when George St. Pierre says he can make a weight, I mean, you're talking about a pro that has never crossed a T, never, excuse me, never failed to cross a T or dot an I. If he says he can make 155, I mean, how will he look? I don't know, but I have no concerns about him making it and being able to perform at a reasonably high level. Like, perfect? No, but pretty good? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just few people as reliable and professional in sports and certainly in combat sports as George St. Pierre, right? His word is about as close to Bond as you're ever going to get. So with that out of the way, what do I think of the fight? I think it's insane, and I have no interest in it hardly at all. Um, how would I batch them up? I would match them up inside the contender hierarchy and not really think twice about it if if you really had to do it. Um, so what do I not like about it so much? Um, the arguments for it are contradictory or bad. I generally be, I believe that and let me be clear about this, as I start this argument. If someone asked me, "Do you want to see GSP back?" The answer is, of course, yes. Or do you want to say see Nate Diaz back? The answer is, of course, yes. Who doesn't? How can you call yourself a fan and say you don't want to see those two two guys back? I just don't. I don't. I mean, you, you might have a preference for more, one more than the other, but I mean, these are these are you know. Two of the biggest names in the sport. Yeah, of course you want to see them back. Uh, and I don't blame them for entering into things that are in their self-interest. You can get mad at them, and I've done it at times where I've been upset at fighters for taking a fight that was clearly in their interest. But what are you going to do, man? This, they're rational creatures. You give them an opportunity to make money for something in a way that they feel like is very much accommodating of what they want. It doesn't matter if it's good for you. They're going to do it. Like That's just what people do, right, for the most part especially in prize fighting. That's what they're fighting for, prizes. So, all right. So I'm not mad at them if they ultimately sign this fight. I get it, right? I completely get it. They'll make a ton of money. Uh, They'll rope in an audience that has a terrible fight palette, and uh, the fight will, in all likelihood, not be all that interesting. The outcome, highly knowable ahead of time. And, And that'll be that, right? So this is what I don't like about it. There are arguments against this fight that are overplayed. I have seen people say, oh, well, Nate fights the same as Nick. Mm, Not really. I mean, there are similarities in body type and certainly influence, but he's his own guy, and um, uh, he has his own way of fighting, so I don't think that's the case. However, I do think there's enough overlap to say, forget about Nick Diaz in this context for a moment. What about Nate? What does he have? Great striking, obviously. Great jab, long reach. Um, Not a whole lot of kickboxing. And a great guard, great jujitsu generally, but not a lot of great wrestling. Well, you know, we've seen how St. Pierre handles guys like that. Maybe he gets a shot and his shin's not what he used to, and he goes down in a, in, a, in a pile of humanity. I can never be too certain about any fight that's being made, but I am reasonably certain that A, St. Pierre is not going to slug it out with Nate Diaz. And if he tries to for a time and it goes poorly, I have all the confidence in the world that he will take Nate Diaz to the ground, and good luck submitting that guy on top. You will pass to half or to side and hold position there, and that'll just be that. I I have no interest in a fight like this. Again, as I mentioned before, do I know what's going to happen? I do not know what's going to happen, but there are certain fights where you have a reasonable degree of suspicion about what the outcome will be or what the complexion of it might look like. It's not like, you know, Justin Gaethje fight. Well, he might win or lose but chances are you're going to get some action. Okay, great. That You 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 sort of know you're in for something that were the outcome. M- m- you know, Maybe it'll go one way or the other. You don't really know, but you certainly know that it'll provide you with a degree of of entertainment. Uh, I think this fails on both those tests. I don't know that, but I have a pretty strong suspicion about it. It's the same thing before, and this is a bit of a different issue, when Triple G fought Van S. Rosian over the weekend. What a stupid fight this was. What an unethical fight this was. How ridiculous. And I love the California State Athletic Commission. I think they do a better job than just about anybody. And I know the people there think that they're doing the right thing. That was a total disgrace. uh, Triple G was an over minus 3,000 favorite. I don't think there's ever been a fight made in the history of the UFC with those kinds of odds. And you can say, well, look, what were the odds for Conor and Jose Aldo? Did we know? that that, uh, that fight was going to end in 13 seconds? No, of course not. But you had at least had a reasonable degree of suspicion and a reasonable degree of probability to think that it could have been competitive. You at least try to do some due diligence about it. We knew this fight ahead of time was going to be an absolute disaster. Or again, we had a pretty strong reason to believe that this guy was going to go in there and get steamrolled. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. And you're talking about a fight that was made because the other one was canceled over relatively dubious evidence of performance enhancing drug use what a joke what a total complete utter joke i mean i could not in my mind imagine a greater display of hypocrisy of at least on the charge and anti-doping that you have to do something about it in combat sports because those guys do extra damage when you kill off a competitive fight again for dubious reasons and then you make a squash match please take that argument to some other sucker because it does not work around here anymore do not ever lecture me about that. You want to make one about fairness, we can have it about fairness. And you're asking, well, that all has to do with this. I well, I would I would strongly submit to you that it is knowable to a degree that you can know anything ahead of time. And I couch it on all of that, that this fight would not necessarily be all that entertaining. And certainly, even if it was, the outcome it, it, I just don't think it's a great fight for Nate Diaz. Now, people have said in a contradictory way, well, it doesn't really get in the way of a title implication, right? Here's Nate, what's he really doing relative to the title? No one really knows. This doesn't really get in the way of that. St. Pierre never fought in the weight class. He's not really getting in the way of it. And then yet the other supporters of this fight come back to you, and then they say the exact opposite. Oh, my God, look at what this fight sets up. The winner could get Habib. The winner could get Connor or whatever, which then pumps you right back into the space where you're having all those concerns again. So which is it? Is it great because it doesn't get in the way, or is it great because it absolutely gets in the way? Yeah, I, there's nothing about this fight that I like. I mean, you could make it at 170. It might be a little bit better because I think it'd be harder to sell a title shot for the participants maybe, but but if St. Pierre won, probably not. You know, There's just no way to, to put the toothpaste back in the tube on this one. Like, oh, we're just going to have the fight inside the division, but it's to the outside of it. But that doesn't really work. Unless it's like, you know, the guys in their 40s and at the very end of this division. But that's not where they are. St. Pierre a little bit longer in the tooth, but as you can see, still pretty damn competitive. Nate Diaz in his early 30s, still pretty damn competitive. So then have them compete, right? I mean, that's where I'm at on this one. And everyone's going to say, oh, that doesn't make as much money. Well, that's great. I'm going to let UFC worry about that. I'm going to tell you what I feel as a fight fan. As a fight fan, I want to see fights between the best. That's what I want to see. And these two guys are the best, but if, you know, so so so... I guess at 155, you could argue there's something intriguing about St. Pierre dropping down there. But to me, given how things went against the other Diaz and what we also know about St. Pierre's abilities overall, about his occasional use of risk management, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. Mileage will vary, and I'm probably eating crow on this one. They'll end up fighting. It'll be fight of the year, and I'll have to say, you know, I was totally wrong. That's fine. But I do think as a general rule, You have to look at these and you have to say, what do we know about these two competitors? What do we know about how they compete? What can we reasonably ascertain? And that's hard to know about what the outcome might be and what the fight complexion would be. And for me, given all that information, I am willing to to conclude and say that it fails on all the tests that I care about. But because it will make money, who cares about any of those, right? Someone asking, what's the point of doing it at 155? Yeah, maybe do it at 170. I don't know. I guess, I guess there's something interesting about that for St. Pierre because then he could go and get a title in third weight class and become the undisputed GOAT, you know, something like that. This is my whole point. Oh, it doesn't get in the way of the title implications right up until it does, and then it's all up in it, you know. There's no way to separate them. So for me, I would do a Woodley-GSP fight. I would do Nate versus uh, Kevin Lee. You know, that's the way I would go. But, you know, <laughs> who cares, right? So. Who cares? Someone says, what's the point in doing it at all? Here oh, hear my dogs. Barbas. I swear to God. All right. My wife is home. Michael Chandler on the move. Hi, Luke. Michael Chandler's contract with Bellator recently expired. How many fight fans have wanted to see Chandler compete against some of the elites at lightweight in the UFC, but is Chandler a fighter that Bellator can afford to lose right now? He's been a staple for the promotion, and now with Bellator's recent viewing number, Woes, shouldn't they be doing everything in their power to keep Chandler also with all the talent and logjam in the UFC 155-pound division? Wouldn't Bellator benefit more by having Chandler under their umbrella than the UFC would? Thanks for so much for the content you provide. Well, thank you for watching. Of that, I greatly appreciate. And then someone says below it, this comment also turned green, and it's important because I did not see this. He seemed keen on it during the recent JRE, the Joe Rogan experience. Obviously couldn't go out and say it in so many words. I think it'll be an excellent addition to the division. They've got to do the Eddie uh, Alvarez trilogy fight if it happens. Hopefully Eddie stays on. In the UFC. Well, Eddie is not really going anywhere. I wouldn't worry too much about that. So the question's about Michael Chandler. Well, that's gonna be an interesting one. I'm very curious to see how they handle that because um, do they blame him for the ratings woes for that card headlined? Do they try to argue, you know, in the in the vein of Chuck was never my friend, that you know it's not really true that you ever turned out to be a big, big star, and they try to lowball him. Does the UFC want to pay big money to pull him away if the if Bellator does, in fact, favor him? It's really kind of hard to know because it's hard to know exactly what position Bellator is adopting here. I think in the end, certainly they would like to keep him. He's reliable. He doesn't get injured too much. He's an action fighter. People know the name. If he's been promoted on that channel for God knows how long. There's just a certain degree of consistency there that you would want to maintain and um, integrity of the product, right? He's arguably the best fighter in that uh organization or certainly top five so you don't want to just lose guys like that if you're trying to make a move but at the same time you know if you're also trying to say we can build from the bottom up and we can sign from the top down maybe michael chandler's course has been run at uh bellator i mean they let they let and of course it was a more more complicated detail uh situation but you know remember strike force just letting shields go of course now shields being a bit of a malcontent so that was a bit different and of course um the ufc really wanted him at the time so that's also a little bit of a different situation but it really just depends on what they want to offer him and how much they want to keep him my hunch is that they do want to keep him but are they going to go the ends of the earth to keep him i don't know i don't know i don't know how they're going to handle that that'll be a very curious one to see hold on hola Esposa. Yeah, she's outside. So the question is uh, as follows, and then someone tried to put in some spoilers in the uh, in the uh, comments here for Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you guys see that yet? It was great. It was great. UFC, ESPN, plus Disney deal. Yesterday, UFC and ESPN announced their new deal. What's your take on it? Kind of went over that a little bit. Is it a good deal for the fans? I don't think we know that yet. I don't think we know that yet. I know a lot of people want to declare it's not. It might It might not be, but I don't think we know that yet. Will the fighters benefit from the deal, money, and exposure? Well, I mean, exposure on a over-the-top streaming platform? I'm a little bit dubious about that, but I guess we'll have to see. but the money five year deal worth 750 uh, million and they're not going to get a penny of it. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what I just, I can't believe we are here, but here we are and the fighters. Okay. You can't say none of them have done anything about it. Some of them have, and I don't know who signed those cards, but obviously getting out in front of it was Leslie Smith and, uh, Alaya Quinta and Cajun Johnson and, and whoever else. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But, You know, can you believe that they're passing up on three hundred and seventy-five million? Right, that's how much they're just saying goodbye to because they don't want to work together. Three hundred and seventy-five million, man. That that is a, you know, I mean, I someone asked you what would you do for your share of three hundred seventy-five million? There's a lot I would do, man. You know, just would you get along with your enemies? Yeah, sure. I'll put it up. I'll you know keep my mouth shut for. However long, just to, you know, make it happen. Oh, you and your neighbor are going to get $10 each. Both of you have to keep your mouth shut. Okay. I mean, you know. And then someone says, are we looking at the end of Fight Pass? Uh, Again, as I've said before, I don't think so. Now, you might be looking at the end of Fight Pass as you understand it. Like, will Fight Pass retain what it does, excuse me, going forward? Will Fight Pass be what it has been for us? That might change, uh, depending on where you live. But altogether, go away. I don't see how that is true unless they then just port over all those things that Fight Pass does to ESPN Plus, and ESPN picks up the other parts of this deal not already enumerated. Does that make sense? Like as I mentioned, there are certain things that Fight Pass does for other customers. Like It's a portal for people in certain countries to watch nearly all of the product. And on top of that, it has this sort of nonprofit system where they help and prop up other organizations so they can get a bit of a feeder system. Um, If ESPN Plus takes on all those roles for all these other countries and all these other organizations, okay, then yes, you might see the end of Fight Pass. But that would just be taking what Fight Pass is and pushing it over. Uh, Are they really going to get rid of all of that? I would be very surprised to see that. I'd be very surprised. But, I, you know, I guess one never really knows. Crazy, right? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, here's a good question. I am watching the podcast from a godforsaken Amtrak station. How in the world do you deal with this every week? Most of days I just want to die. Most days. Not all days. Some days you get on the train and you're just having a grand old time. But most days I just want to die. I've been doing that for six years. <laughs> and people are like, "I would love to do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here sitting to tell you I'm out there digging ditches for minimum wage. It's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that after six years of riding Amtrak, amidst delays and derailments and cancellations, pack trains, standing room only, you know, uh, lights going out, heat not working, uh, you know, running to queue up so you can board. Six years of that will wear on you, let me assure you. (laughs) That's hilarious. Someone wants to know my weekly workout routine. No, you don't because you should be asking somebody who's good at things like that. I'm not good at them. I buy all my programming. I buy all my programming now. Oh, you know what? You want my programming recommendation? How about this? Uh, You should go to these folks to hybrid performance method they don't pay me nothing I'm, I'm i'm just speaking in terms of somebody who's used their products you can go to hybrid uh and you can buy programming you can buy programming for all different kinds of fitness needs do you want to do you know uh, just a um a deadlift cycle do you want to do powerlifting? Do you want to do sort of gymnastics do you want to do like overall include like cardiovascular elements into your training You can do all of that. Just go. And you can do have to buy from them. You can buy from a thousand other places. Um, Jeff Cavalier sells them as well. But I don't do my own programming. I just buy it and then just follow the routine. And someone goes, here's your routine in a nutshell. Number one, wake up sore. True. Two, coffee. True. Three, deadlift. Most days. Well, not most days, but yes, many days. Four, burrito bowl. True. Five, diet soda. True. Six, deadlift. No, I wouldn't do it twice. Seven, burrito bowl, true, eight, sleep. And then someone says he takes the dogs out, too. Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate, actually. Uh Okay, UFC 224 versus Bellator 199 versus Lomachenko Linares. Pretty good fights this weekend. Which fights are you looking forward to and why? And below-the-radar fights we should keep an eye on. Ooh. Well, first of all, I think Loma L- Lomachenko is going to blow out these donks. Not the same way uh, that was with Rigondeau because, because that fight was... Uh, with another Olympic boxer and it had all this you know, name value stuff attached to it. Uh, You're not going to get that with Jorge Linares. But uh, under the radar fights, uh, Aaron Pico fights this weekend again. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. You should. Um, It's a fight that's just a part of his development. So you have to have some managed expectations about what he'll look like and how it will be, although he looked pretty good in his last one with that kind of like inside left-handed – was it a left-handed? I think it was a left-handed shovel punch. Um, in any event, so that was nice. Um, and then uh, Davi Hamosh or Davi Ramos as I called him forever, is competing against Nick Hine on the prelims. Very much looking forward to that. Davi Hamosh won the ADCCs last time or two times ago. It was the last time or two times ago in any case with a flying triangle. What am I saying? Flying uh, armbar to a guy who was uh, in sitting guard. So here's Davi standing over him. Now, it may have been, God. who did he do that to? Was it Lucas Leprey? Who did he do that to? Yeah, it was Lucas Lepre. Can you believe that? I mean, uh, can you just believe how insane that is? Like, to beat Lucas Lepre is hard. To armbar Lucas Lepre is extremely hard. To flying armbar (laughs) Lucas Lepre is while he's in sitting guard at ACC to win the whole thing. Just absurd. Completely absurd. Anyway, he's had a bit of a couple of tough starts in MMA, and uh, I'm looking to see if he can continue things. So there's that. Um, And then you got Dennis Segura asking me if I've seen Pico's opponent. No, but I don't care about that. It's the same thing with Dennis. Your first five fights, man, I mean, look, you see all these John Jones type, you get this warped perspective about what guys – with five fights should look like most guys are not going to look all that great five fights in they're just not uh some will exceed your expectations and and conventions but generally speaking that's what you should be expecting um and that's what i'm expecting i don't i don't care there's opponents all that great or if he is or whatever i'm expecting just to see progress for a blue chip prospect so so i guess we'll see what happens there let me just pull up this 224 card because i don't recall the rest of that prelim card being all that great unfortunately so the Pico thing is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean Alexei Lennox back against Junior Albini, but uh, and then of course Mackenzie during Amanda Cooper. Very curious to see what, what what she looks like there as well. So that should be fun. But that's about it. That's about it. But the but the there are some good fights on that 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 two twenty four main card. I think is pretty good. Obviously Lomachenko competes. I mean, forget about it, right? And then. Um, Uh, Bellator has some decent fights as well. Of course, Aaron Pico. And then, oh, and then Adam Piccolotti is back. I think highly of him. He's had a couple of rough goes of it, but I do think he's a very talented guy. And then we're going to finally get some progress on this um, Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix. Oh, uh, Danny is saying he's actually pretty decent. He's 18 and 8. Good Lord. That's a ton of experience. So Lee Morrison, the American Bulldog. Dude's got 26 fights. Good Lord. he's coming off of a one, two, three, four fight win streak. These are all on the sort of very regional scene. So you have to be kind of managing expectations of what that means. But still pretty good. Yeah. All right. well, We'll see. Tough out. Tough out for him. For sure. All right. What is this? Fighter layoff diminishing returns. Okay. Let's see what that means. Luke, while it seems fighters like Nick and Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor taking time off builds a lot of intrigue around potential return timetables and matchups, when do you think fans start losing interest in terms of a fighter's return? I realize it's, a, it's different for each athlete, and my particular interest is only anecdotal evidence, but lately I have found myself simply not really caring as much if when some of these guys come back. Are these guys and others probably potentially playing with fire by being inactive for so long? It seems they might cost themselves huge paydays. If fans lose interest in the returns. Yeah, it's a dangerous game they're playing because one, I do think there's probably an overall sunset about it, where if you just you know you go, you just stay away too long, people just are like, okay, well, I mean, life has moved on without you, and then you become not nearly as competitive. So there, there could be some problems with that. Or if you're waiting for like a title shot or something, and that passes you by, you know, the whole Rashad Evans Shogun situation was a good example of that. If you guys were watching the sport back then, so there could be some hazards in playing with that um but you don't want to overstate it either i think a lot of these guys can go for long periods of time and come back and it's no problem the risk that they run to me is not so much the amount of time off because you really have to take like a, an absurd amount of time for them people just to finally check out on you get frustrated it's different than just check out like i just don't even care if you come back anymore you have to be gone a really long time for that um the, the challenge is like what I would call like the Landon Donovan challenge or something where uh, and he's not necessarily the best example, but, you know, somebody and he retired. So that's different, too. But it's something like this where you compete and then you go away for a while and then you come back and you don't look the same and then you go away again because they don't do it just once or twice. They have they make habits of it and then you come back, let's say, a second or third time. And now what folks are expecting of you, is they'll still have interest. But now if the promoter is not willing to accommodate you in matchmaking and you still get matched up against the other big names who are at the top of the division, um, you just won't be able to compete. And therefore, people will lose interest because you'll, you'll be clearly demonstrating yourself to not be once what you once were. Uh, Kimbo Slice never necessarily reached like the highest highs, but one of the keys to maintaining his popularity, even though that waned over time a little bit as well, was that they were matching him up with guys who he had a reasonable chance against uh, by and large. Right. So, uh, and, and you could say, well, look what they had to do to do that. Right. I understand. But the insight there is that they, they tried, they, they, they realized he was not, you know, this guy beat Houston Alexander in the UFC. That's something, but he wasn't that anymore. So whatever he could be, they put him against somebody like that. I So there is a sense in diminishing returns for that, but, just taking time off and coming back the only risk there is if you lose and then take more time off um, when you do come back your star power is probably going to be a little bit diminished right it's, a little, it's one reason why these guys lose you know and competitively they want to get back in there but I think another part of that is that like oh I lost in October let's come back in November December get a win and and just keep keep myself at that high I was at before there's a lot of it just trying to you know stay afloat at a certain level uh, Noons Pennington at USC 224. Before anything else, congrats to the Capitals. Why, thank you, sir. I was here watching it when it all went down and Latang for the Pens botched it again. And they got the same goal on him virtually in Game 5, uh, creating too much space and old Kuznetsov letting it be known. What a great day. What a great day. And a great day because not only did the Pittsburgh Penguins get eliminated, so did the Toronto Raptors. So... Um, shouts to Mike Bond, who I said a nasty DM to, nothing graphic, just words, taunting him about LeBron. Because <laughs> it's one thing if they had taken LeBron to like game seven, but they just got, they got smashed, smashed by LeBron. And the Wizards would have too, so let's be real about that. But maybe the Wizards could have taken one from him. They played him hard during the regular season, you know, and it doesn't even matter anyway. It was just nice to watch the Raptors, the one seed. In the East, get manhandled by LeBron, Thanos, James. Oh God, I can't tell you what delight I took in that, and it was on the same night. Sublime, like Schwarzenegger said in Pumping Iron, "I'm coming day and night." All right, Nunes Pennington at UFC 224. Uh, how is your, how is your current pick? One, I mean, what is my current pick? Uh, it would be Nunes or Nunes, whatever. I, I still don't know how to pronounce your name probably. What kind of challenges do you think Pennington poses? God, Nunes is a minus 1,000 favorite. What? Is that real? No way that's real. It's that bad? Holy crap. You're right. Wow. Oh, my God. Pennington's at plus 650. Good Lord. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong, I but I just I don't know for some reason it didn't occur to me that it would be like that. Wow, that is shocking. Man, well, in any case, uh, shocking is maybe not the read right, the right word, but you know what I'm you know what emotions I'm trying to convey. Uh, yeah, it's it's Amanda Nunes for sure. Look, I think. Um, there have been some concerns about her cardio, and I don't think that she has amazing cardio, but I do think she has good enough where if she trained properly in her camp, it shouldn't be the reason why she wins or, or excuse me, why she loses. So I think, you know, you can say, well, is your cardio amazing? Well, maybe it's not amazing, um, but uh, it's, and there are some problems with it, but it can be, if if handled appropriately, it, she should be able to maintain dominance. So there's, I definitely feel that way about it in the first part. But the other one is that, look, uh, what Raquel Pennington likes to do is she likes to get in there and mix it up a little bit um, in close quarters, all, often along the fence line. She does a lot of things really well, nothing really like uh, as a specialist. Um, but one of the tendencies she has is to counter-strike. She likes to be in space, judge distance, pull, and then counter. That's what she's really like, is good at. So to me, it's like if she can get in there and rough up Amanda Nunes, maybe. Uh, but I have a belief that Amanda Nunes can, you know, she can brawl if she wants to, but she can also fight on the outside as well. I think she's really gifted in that regard. And again, uh, I, I think that it's a—I would not say that the odds don't reflect. I think how winnable it is for Pennington, but the odds do reflect that it's certainly Amanda Nunes' fight to lose. I think that's the best way I could put it. Uh, predictions for the rest of the main card. Jacare, Gastelum. I'm going to go Jacare, but Gastelum's hands, they can they can beat anybody. Dern versus ABC. Dern should win, but God only knows. Lineker and Kelleher, I'll go Lineker. Please forgive me, Brian. And Machida versus Belfort. I'll actually go Machida. Did I, did I pick all the faves? Let's see. I picked Jacare. He's the fave. Dern is the fave. Lineker is the fave. Yeah, I picked all the favorites. Well, what do you want me to do? <coughs> I'm dying. All right. Worst MMA robbery. Luke, oh, this is an easy one. Luke, in your opinion, what is the worst decision ever made in MMA? Some candidates may include, number one, man- Nam Fan versus Leonard Garcia. One. Two, George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks. That's your vote? Oh, man. That's not even cl- that's not even a pimple on the ass of the real answer which of course you have for three Chase BB versus Mike Easton it's not it, it's not it's not even comparable uh Cajal Pendred versus Sean Spencer no there's there's no chance and someone says Bisping versus Hamill not even that was a close fight Diego Sanchez over Ross Pearson relative to Chase Beebe versus Mike Easton that was a close fight no, 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 no. Can you see that fight uh, on YouTube still? It was up for a while. I don't know that it still is. But that's the one. Hold on. Let's see here. Uh, Easton versus BB. Oh, yeah. Well, we can see parts of it. Oh, God. I wish there were still... Man, I still wish there were uh... – oh, jeez. Oh, no. You guys can't – you can't believe... – he had his back for um, like four of the five rounds and would have it for three or four minutes a round, and they would almost do nothing standing. I mean, he took a couple of leg kicks here or there. But like one of those fights where he'd be like, yeah, maybe you could call it 49-46 for BB, but – Maybe he got a couple of, maybe he got a 10 8 round in there. I mean, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking five round fight where a guy held at someone else's back for maybe about 18 to 20 minutes of that time. And then they scored it. What was it? Did they end up scoring it? Uh, I can't remember now. For They scored it for Easton, obviously, but did they score it unanimous or no? Split. They still called it a split. All right. Well, I guess there's that portion of it, but. Be that as it may. uh, Insane. Insane. Totally and completely and utterly insane. So, I've never seen anything that came even... I don't know that there can be another way that that fight ended up that way. That a fight in the future ends up that way. I mean, you would have to, like, literally be in a situation where judges were not paying attention. And I'm not talking about, like, looking on your phone not paying attention. I'm talking about boozing, dancing doing the Dougie out there waiting or something, right? Like you're completely screwing off, uh, pay to give somebody like bribed or something. It would, it would take extraordinary circumstances to get another version of Chase Beebe versus Mike Easton. It is truly not not only the worst robbery in MMA history by a country mile, by a country mile. It, it is also such a insane call that you, you struggle to think of a scenario where that could happen again by any commission on the up and up, right? Either acting ethically or, uh, uh, and I'm not accusing Virginia of acting ethically. I you know I think they just happen to be incompetent, but or at least at the time they did. But uh, but but that would that would be an explanation for it in the future or something, right? It would take it would take that to do it. It's it's you'll you'll I guarantee because that how long ago was that? 2007 when was that 2009 2009 so we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of that not too far away uh i guarantee it'll be another 10 years before or 11 or so before you even see anything approximating that it it is truly the worst the worst thing uh, imaginable Which isn't to say those other ones aren't also robberies. But, God, without the video footage, you can't appreciate it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Chandler versus Habib. Ooh. Recently, Michael Chandler wagered he could beat Habib 10 times out of 10 if the two fought. And thinking about it, I would find Chandler to be the superior athlete, maybe even physically stronger. N- athlete, yes. Yeah, stronger, I don't think so. The better pure striker, probably. And he would be the far from an easy mark in terms of being taken down. Also true. Although he could be. His submission game is pretty developed as well. Parts of it. Uh, At least insofar as MMA is concerned. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's as developed as that as Nurmagomedov's. Because it's not. Call me crazy, but I think Chandler stylistically is a pretty bad matchup for Habib. You know who thinks... which fighter is a very, not a very, but an interesting, see what kind of happens, matchup for Habib? Uh, a guy whose opinion, or it could be a lady, I don't know who it is, but a person whose opinion I very much take seriously. Uh, BJJ Scout. BJJ Scout has put together a list of people about how Connor fights, how Habib fights, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for, what are their tendencies, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, he thinks Alvarez might be a really, Eddie Alvarez might be a really bad, again, they don't know, but reason to believe that he might be. And Alvarez, of course, can fight in ways very similar to Michael Chandler. Chandler's a little bit different, a little more risk-averse, a little more high-octane. I wonder if that might feed into Habib's game. But I think Chandler has a little bit of that wrestle-boxer physicality and style that you need to give Habib potential problems. So, yeah, I I would absolutely love to see it. Would he win 10 times out of 10? You know, I don't know. That's a little harder to say, but um, for sure, he is, uh, he's got the kinds of things you would look at and say that could get interesting down the line. I would still favor Habib, though, to be clear. Uh, Luke Thomas versus Comcast. Over the past year, you're a loyal live chat watchers. I've seen you battle week after week over internet problems. Yes, you have. You've been there in the struggle. I know you said you were going to upgrade your internet plan to fix this. Did you do this? Yes. I bought the gigabit speed. Now, I'm on the Wi-Fi today. I didn't run the hard line today. Here, I'll just do a speed test. How about that? I'll do a speed test on the air right now, and I will read you the results. Here we go. Go. And this is with me live streaming, so I wonder if that would affect the performance. So let's see. First, it does download speeds. Um, I'll tell you what those are here in just a sec. Those are usually pretty good. And then the upload speeds as well. And it's while live streaming too. So I wonder if that would affect it a little bit. So, based off my Wi Fi signal, which take that for what it's worth, download speed was 522,000 kilobits per second, upload speed 45,680 kilobits per second. So that is my speed. That is definitely an improvement. Um, okay. So it says, I've had nothing but good things with Comcast. Wow. I don't know how that's even possible. But if so, congratulations. Jesus. Uh, Elkins versus Volkanovsky. Hi, Luke. One of the upcoming matches that has been announced is Darren Elkins versus Volkanovsky. Is this a fight between two people with grappling and grinding styles? Yeah. Although uh, one is a little bit less of a scrambler, more of a leech, which is Elkins' case. Any big X factors? I think the strength of Volkanovsky the ability to separate. I think he's got much better striking. So if he can separate quickly, launch punches, separate launch, separate launch, just you can, you're going to get entangled with Elkins, but you have to find ways to break out of it. Um, and then launch damage in between. Cause otherwise you're just going to spend too much money, hand too much money, too much time, hand fighting underhooking. You're just going to be occupied in that kind of a way. You start throwing knees, he picks them up. So it's going to be really about that upcoming, upcoming spacing. That's what you need. Make all main events five rounds. Wait, what? I wonder why the UFC doesn't make all main event five rounds. They do. There hasn't been a three-round UFC main event in a long time. Back to like what, the spike days, right? Do you mean like co-main non-titles? I'd be okay with that. Yeah, dude, like all I don't know what this question is because they are all five rounds. Uh let's see, true false. Colby Covington's patter is truly honking. I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound like I'm like I'm joking, I'm not joking, and nor am I trying to be funny. I literally have no idea what that means. Because that's some kind of slang. Colby Covington's patter is truly honking. Habib's success at lightweight translates well to 170. Sure. Paul Daly fights in the UFC again. Probably not. Nick Diaz versus Bisping happens this year. Probably not. More true, false. UFC 224 does under 300,000 pay-per-view buys. 100%. It's probably going to do under two. Uh, I will do a post-fight chat for UFC 24. Yes, but I don't call them that. They're called post-fight specials. Uh, Jeff Wagenheim speaks as if his brain <laughs> is constantly buffering. This might be true, but the sad part is is that my brain is no different. Also constantly buffering. Did I miss the old man in the hat, man? Or shirt, rather. That sucks. Someone says, Jeff is a legend and the beat will miss him. Goddamn right. Golden Boy MMA, will it happen, and will Chuck be the main event? You know, I brought this up on my radio show this week. I'll repeat it here because it's an important point to make. Uh, okay, great. Um, do you remember when there was like these 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 um, debates happen and these issues come up every so often intermittently where people say, oh, who should replace Dana White at the UFC? Right, And then there was a time before he was back over at Bellator – you know, you could say, oh, well, it should have been Chael Sonnen, right? You got that was a name that came up. Um, before he went off to Northwestern to be with the academic libs, there was people saying, Well, what about Brian Stan? You know, Brian Stan should be should be somebody who could, you know, just take Dana's role. And I thought to myself, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. And the reason why is not because you think to yourself, Brian Stan couldn't do a good job. Yeah, of course. I mean, what job are you going to give Brian Stan where he's not going to be able to do a pretty decent job at it? Like you could even tell him you have to go be an astronaut. He would just spend three years learning, you know, high level math and come back and probably be able to get the job done. Like I literally mean that there's almost nothing he can't do, you know? So it's not that he couldn't do the job. It's that that's not a guy you want doing that job. And what I mean by that is you know, Everyone says, oh, Oscar De La Hoya, he's just a promoter. He's sleazy. He's just going to say whatever. Oh, Don King, he's just a promoter. He's sleazy. He's just going to say whatever. Or Bob Arum, or now Dana White, or even to an extent Scott Coker, or whoever. Name a promoter where someone doesn't say that they're sleazy or they'll say whatever they want that's in the interest of their business. right? Here's my point. If you wanted Brian Stan to do that, he could do that effectively because he's just sort of Captain America but you don't want a guy of high integrity being forced to work in that role there's no way to be a promoter and to come off as like a great dude like oh what a what a great what a great guy what a truth teller really an honest broker it's not possible some guys pull it off better than others Scott Coker does it better than let's say Don King but you get the idea you're going to have a pretty heavy share of detractors and if you're running the ultimate fighting championship you're going to say things in the interest of the business that are going to be totally insane eventually uh highly disagreeable more than irreverent sometimes reprehensible because that's just what promoters do it takes a certain kind of person to fill that role and it's a role that someone's got to do right you got to sort of dance with the devil in the pale moonlight but Why on earth would you want someone of high integrity filling that position? You definitely would not. So to answer your question, Golden Boy MMA, will it happen? And will Chuck be the main event? Like, do I believe anything that Oscar De La Hoya says about boxing? Almost nothing. I especially don't believe him about MMA. My guess is nothing ever happens with this. If it does, it'll be a one, and I'm speaking very generously here, a two-off. It's not the business he knows. It's not a business he understands. It's not a business he cares about. What he cares about is he got real hurt with how Mayweather McGregor, in his mind, impacted boxing and impacted um, Canelo Triple G1, even though it ended up being a big success. And he's either looking for revenge or headlines or attention or something because he's a promoter now. And when you become a promoter, this is who you become. So whenever folks are asking, hey, who should fill X role as a promoter, find somebody whose character you don't mind looking down on <laughs> because that's who's, that's what's going to happen. You're going to find somebody who I- ends up being, if not totally, at least somewhat repugnant, and I would never want to put Brian Stan in that position, and I hope you don't, and, and Chelsea, honor frankly, for that position as well. I, you know, I just, no, thank you. Let's find someone else who sucks that we don't mind, you know, taking that, taking that role from. What is this? Some weird questions here. Here's an interesting one. Young viewers and the rising cost of the UFC. Hi, Luke. Last year, there were reports that the UFC was losing younger viewers while the current audience was beginning to age out of the target market. Do you think cost, recent pay-per-view hikes, Fight Pass, ESPN will make things worse by pricing out more younger viewers? Or will the growing availability online, ESPN, and Amazon help them or possibly no effect at all? Boy, that's a really complicated question. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant to say that I understand the, the – um consumption habits of this audience certainly going to espn plus is a bet on the future so i i I do like that the deal is somewhat future-proofed for the ufc to an extent anyway i mean how much hard to say but there is something to be said for a five-year deal on a streaming platform for the worldwide leader in sports there's some security there right 150 million a year okay um so there's that um I think also, um, you know what? I'm going to pull this up. Let's do this. Megan mm-hmm. McCardle. wall. You guys know who Megan McCardle is? Um, she used to write for Bloomberg. She has a lot of opinions I don't really care for, but she did write one really great article. I'm going to share it with you in the comment section here underneath this question. Um. We, we we're going to start doing required reading on this. After yesterday after last week, everyone only listening... I've, it turns out that apparently everyone knows um, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris from the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, which is a great thing, right? It's good to be exposed to um, uh, academic or interesting ideas, but that shouldn't be your... like Definitely go listen, but that shouldn't be the only wit- source you get in life to to... to academic that should not be your only academic uh, exposure should go well beyond that Um, but it's a good start it's a good place don't get me wrong like we're not bad-mouthing it at all it's like you guys know i have his books i'm fine with it but you gotta take another step in any case we're gonna start putting some required reading on here you're talking about um the the younger audiences two things that are on my mind number one Media itself is just going to keep crawling behind paywalls. I think the age where it's articles or videos, Sports Illustrated just launched something in, in conjunction with Amazon, I believe as well, where they're getting behind a paywall and they want 10 bucks a month. you are going to see more and more and more of that. There was a lot of, of snipping and sniping of the athletic and what they're trying going behind a subscription paywall. You're going to see more and more of that. She has written an article explaining how this is going to happen to a degree where free stuff is just simply going to go away because the advertiser model doesn't really work. Now, that's print journalism or print, and we're talking about TV and other kinds of consumption, so it's not an apples-to-apples conversation. But nevertheless, my point being is, is the younger audience going to have a certain degree of comfortability in picking and choosing behind paywalls such that this one won't be uniquely offensive to them? That's the question that I'm wrestling with a little bit. That's one. Here's the other one that really occurs to me that's kind of funny. So let me pull this up here. Here's something I I keep hearing uh, that I, I wonder why no one else is asking. All right. Okay. Folks are talking about millennials as like this super, oh, do we have the millennial audience? Oh, you know, who captures the millennial audience? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, it depends how you want to define millennial and how far you want to go. I guess some people define that up to 2004. Um, I guess that's the end point. But to me, the, the generation you need to be thinking of down the line is going to be generation Z. That's the one behind millennials. Like everyone's like all in on how do we capture millennials? Man, don't worry about millennials. Like they're already aging into the workforce. They're already getting promoted to the workforce. They're already aging through college. You know. Yes, you would want to capture that market, of course, but uh, what you really need to be worried about is the next one coming down the line, the one that grew up in an internet that was um, you know, 5G, strictly if not, or not strictly, but predominantly mobile. Everything's behind paywalls, and you're picking and choosing how you uh, have consumptions. You probably have like the super, 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 super short attention spans that's the one you got to worry about. That's the, that's the canary in the coal mine here about how it's going to force everybody to adapt and change and switch. You know, those kids, there's no way they're buying a cable package in 20 years when that, when they come up there, it's just, there's no chance that someone born in 2005 in 2025 is going to be buying a cable package. when they move out of the house for the first time or something like that. Even before that 2022, 2023 come off of it. It's not going to happen. So my only thing is, is like we're talking about our young audience and they're like, we have a higher share of millennials than anybody else. That's cool. That's great. Who's got the next one behind that? Because that's the one that's going to disrupt everything. The millennials are part of the beginning wave of change. They're not the change. Behind them is the change. That's Those are the orcs coming over the hill and maybe the one behind them too. But it ain't these ones. So, you know, however much you have of them, that's great. What are y'all doing to future proof against them? That's what I want to know. And I don't hear anybody, and frankly, in any of the sports leagues. So it's not exclusive to UFC talking about that. But I would love to hear more discussion. It'd be kind of interesting. Anyway, go read that Megan McArdle article in in the comments section. All right. It is about 2.15. Let us go to the Twitter machine. Hmm let's do this animation fantasy fights scooby-doo versus goofy you know what kills me so my wife uh i didn't realize this do you know what they call goofy in latin america i didn't know this first of all they call smurfs pitufos and i'm like how can you call them smurf like if my name is luke thomas and i go to south america you can't just call me something else like oh now your name is jorge alonso or something No, my name you got to call me by my name i realize smurf is a made-up word but you can't just change it to pitufo do you know what they call goofy down there tribeline or triple Um, (laughs) and i was like how did you take goofy which is the greatest nickname for that animal ever forget his name and turn it into tribeline how did that happen like who for who gave you the right to do it, and how is 3B Lean better than Goofy? That makes no sense. Anyway, so Scooby-Doo versus Goofy, definitely Goofy. Uh, Aladdin, or as my friend's name is, Aladdin, uh versus Winnie the Pooh. I will go Aladdin Mickey Mouse versus Bug Bunny. Ooh, Bugs Bunny. Pinocchio versus Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd has a shotgun, bro. Please be serious. And then Homer Simpson versus Popeye. Popeye would give him the beat down. Do you think Triple G will fight Canelo in September? Yes, of course I do. Now, where? I don't know exactly. Who do I see winning? Triple G. Uh, today is the one-year anniversary of Big Black of MTV's Robin Big Death. Ah, uh, He was a big MMA fan. Did you ever meet him? Uh, I saw him at several Strikeforce uh, shows. Since he attended a lot of MMA events, any thoughts? I don't really have any thoughts other than, um, um, you know, sad, and it was cool to see him at shows. He, and to your point, he seemed like a nice guy. But I don't have any overarching. Uh, I didn't watch James programming, so. Do you think the ESPN deal is more of a sign of how desperate ESPN is, or more of a sign of how mainstream UFC has become? More the latter than the former. I mean, ESPN is out there hemorrhaging, or was for a while, employees, and uh, certainly has a lot of like expensive television rights packages, that they're willing to put that kind of money down on ESPN+. Plus. I think everyone is hating on this deal because streaming is still very much not... It's mainstream-ish, but not really. But in five years, it might be very mainstream, and... They'll look back on this deal and say, "Oh, look how smart they were. it's a, it's a very you know likely possibility. Just trying to do my service, best I could f- figure out what patter is pure honking means. A Scottish can be used in a positive or negative manner depending on the assessment and the quality of wit and humor. So like what his gimmick. Is honking. Oh, it's terrible. So do I think his patter is terrible? Or his gimmick is terrible? Um, I think some of it makes me laugh. Some of it I don't really care for. So I'm split on it. That's about all I'd say. Are you surprised the UFC stacked 225 so heavy given their big International Fight Week card is a month after? No, not necessarily. Because 226 is a pretty great card. So... Who are you picking in the, the Romero Whitaker rematch at two twenty five? I will pick Whitaker. I think that um, I think that their first fight was very very good, but that I don't know what the, what Romero could reasonably do different in terms of his existing skill sets to change against Whitaker. But I can see Whitaker making a lot of adjustments. Uh, it just doesn't give me a lot of hope for his for what what could be done. What style of programming do you think will be the new original all-access series talked about? Perhaps a new version of Embedded. By the way, you guys watched the Embedded for 224? I mean, look, they can't all be great, but those are boring. Oof, boring. Um, I, I hope it's something more along the lines of what... Uh, what was the 24-7 knockoff that they did? Primetime? Something like that. That was really fun. I really enjoyed those with like, the big the big fights, that would be great to have again. Uh, I just don't know that we'll do that. As a Virginia native, I'm happy to jump on the all-caps bandwagon. Come October, will you jump on the Nats one-pursuit bandwagon? I go to Nats games. I'm not that big of a baseball fan, uh, but, you know, I I always cheer for the home team, always. I'm, I'm not, you know, and F Michael Wilbon. God, what a loser he is. You have to understand something about the place that I live. There's about 600,000 and some change residents. And then there's about 6 million in the outside surrounding area uh, that that commute to the city. right? Uh, Because the city itself is, in terms of land size, not very big. But the, the area is filled with all kinds of people who work in consulting the federal government. You can well imagine, given the way that the federal government is structured here. And so as a consequence, and also the military as well, uh, people are coming and going here constantly. I don't mean day-to-day. I mean in their lives. D.C. is an extraordinarily transient area. People move here for a couple of years and they go on. And they don't really attach a lot of... Uh... <laughs> it's a funny tweet. Uh, in any event, they, they they come and they go. And, and you see a lot of people here who they might be here for five years. Like, yeah, I don't really care about... The home teams. I'm looking for a team to root for, and then here come you know the Warriors with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, and then they'll say, "Oh, I want to root for a team like that." Just you'll go when the Warriors play or when the Lakers play when Kobe was here, and. There would be more Lakers fans than Wizards fans. And it just, it always it enraged me. It enraged me to see that. And folks are like you cheer for Real Madrid. Right. I got, there's always been one exception. If they came to town and to played DC United, which would be a massacre of epic proportions, it's the only team I would cheer against them for. The only one, the only one. I only root for the home teams, and I do not root against them. Plus, they don't even play in the same league, so who cares? But when it comes time for the home, I don't cheer for the Packers. I don't cheer for the Warriors. I don't cheer for pick a hockey team or whatever other than the Capitals. I don't. I cheer for the home teams. Somebody needs to hold down the flag for this place, and I'm happy to do it. Rampage versus 50 Cent, your thoughts. Please, God, kill me now. I Do you know what I watched the other day? I watched uh, the sequel to Alien, which is called Aliens, I believe. It's when they get the uh, colonial marines and they go to this this outpost on this place that's no longer answering on the beacon and uh, they to figure out what happened. And then we go, well, we see all their their life vitals here. Where are they? And they go to the place where all the aliens, of course, they don't kill you. What they do is they just use you as a host to grow um, those thingies inside of you. And then they pop out of your chest and then they grow into the fully adult Alien, and then they the in the scene they walk up and they're like, oh, we got a live one here, and they're like, oh, we'll get you out, and she's looking at him and she's shaking and she's all pale, and she's like, kill me, kill me. I saw this thing about Fifty Cent versus Rampage, which by the way, I would say a commission would never sanction it, but we're in a world where Mayweather McGregor happens, so God only knows. But every time you see Rampage versus Fifty Cent question mark, I want you to think of that scene in Aliens. With the person being like, kill me. And then the animal popped out of the person's chest. I'm that person saying, kill me. That's who I am every time I see one of those. Please, dear Jesus, take my life. (laughs) Which Bellator 199 bout are you most looking forward to? Uh, Main event and then Pico. Pico fight. And again, someone says, I am watching the podcast from the Amtrak station. Sir, my thoughts and condolences are with you if i if you wanted to be that person in aliens who also was begging to be killed i would understand which ufc 224 bout are you most looking forward to Ooh, uh as i mentioned i think kelvin gaslin versus Array is the best one that's a pretty damn good fight pretty damn good fight and a great fight because I had left Shakare on the side of the road, man. I, I had, I did not, I did not think he could come back, and sure enough, he did, and looked great against Derek Brunson. And and of course, Kelvin Gastelum rebounding against Michael Bisping, amazing, right? Totally amazing. So, definitely, that's the fight I I care about the most. Now that Perry is training at Jacksons and potentially moving there full time, I believe he can be more than your exciting fringe top 15 guy. Now he's at a real camp. Do you see him reaching his potential? I would agree that the change is worth examining. Let's see what they can do with him. But ultimately that itself is no guarantee. But I I completely agree. Like that certainly fills me with a ton of optimism. <laughs> Do you believe Fight Pass is sticking around primarily for international customers since ESPN Plus is the only of the American market? Or do you believe they'll try to bolster it with more regional shows to keep up with subscriptions? Yeah, that's the other interesting part. I do think they're going to keep it around. The question is, what do they add to it? So you've got whatever you've got now. Do they keep signing things? If so, how do how would that work? Also, like, are we going to have to watch? So for the ESPN Plus events, I'm told they're all going to air on ESPN Plus like the entire card. Sweet. Fine. But for the for like the other cards, we're gonna have to go to like, let's say, fight pass for the prelims. Then I'm just making something up. TNT for the rest of the prelims and then pay-per-view. Like that that whole thing still is happening. Not I, I'm not pumped about that, I'll be honest. That part bums me out big time. Who are the top five prospects across all promotions? Well, you better ask Smoogie because that's not a question I can answer. But certainly uh, I was impressed over the weekend if you saw the Monday Morning Analyst with uh, Askar Askarov. Boy, I got to tell you, those guys at ACB, man, they've got a real, they got some real fighters over there. Very, very talented guys. Very talented guys. Uh, During your interview with Dan Patrick last week, you said you double majored in political science and philosophy. Well, you don't need political science to cover MMA. You certainly do not. Um, does philosophy play a role in the work that you do? Well, I guess that would depend on your perspective a little bit, but I would say yes. You know, um, uh, when I, whenever I majored in philosophy, all of my friends would make fun of me and they'd say, yeah, when the, when the degree is over, you can philosophize about why you don't have a job. And I wouldn't say that the joke's on them. I think that's obviously a f- real apprehension. Everyone is making college now to be about, oh, I'm going to set you up for a job. And that's a important debate to have in this country about what the role of post-secondary education is. Is it primarily about creating um, the kinds of skills and training necessary to get uh, meaningful um, uh, and gainful employment when this is all over, uh, when when that degree has finished? maybe that's the, the 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 value but i got to say that was not the case for me and i'm very glad that it was not the case for me now look one of our problems is we're trying to make what trade schools should be into what colleges should be doing you know you go and you get the bill from a plumber or an electrician or something you'll look at it, you'll say to yourself oh my god this is expensive right those guys make good money a skilled carpenter a skilled plumber they can make a lot of money and they didn't they don't need to go and study uh, Nietzsche or um, you know Michael Foucault to get a better understanding of how to you know fix the sink uh, and I'm not saying one is inherently better than the other they're both valuable occupations I'm just merely pointing out you can make a lot of money uh, doing that but what they're trying to do with colleges now is it seems be this job factory for your life and I don't know that that's the best idea learning humanities is uh, a a value for life enrichment not necessarily directly tied to gainful employment and I understand that can be a you know you're saying in a life now where people have incredible student debt and and they don't know what they want to be well what's the value in training humanities I, I, I get it I'm just telling you for me and I'm sure I've had a million I'm sure I've had a million opinions you've disagreed with I'm sure today forget every time I've done this chat And I am certain that going forward, I will have a million more. It's not that it enables you to find the truth in life as such, but what it does enable you to do is is have the tools to go digging and to decipher and to create some kind of value system and judgment criteria um, and to develop what does an argument look like? What should it look like? What's a good one look like? What's a sound one look like? What's the difference between being valid and sound? In fact, there is a difference. If you've ever taken any kind of symbolic logic class, right? These, these things all help you. I would go, for example, like let's, I'm not going to get into the details, but let's take this Iran deal, right? The president withdrew or int- noted that he intended to withdraw from it and reinstitute um, some sanctions. Now, whatever your opinion about that, imagine you knew nothing about it or very little about it. And you heard from, let's say, I'm going to pick a site, the Federalist, because I saw that they argued in favor of it. that was a really good idea. Or you go to some other site. I'm just going to pick one mother jones and they're telling you how it's the worst idea on earth well imagine you didn't know anything you might read both of those and you might learn more about the situation but you might have real difficulty deciding who not only made a better argument but who is sort of just clearly getting at the truth of this who's who's distilling this in the way that is um absent their own um, not biases exactly but they're not pandering to their own crowd here in some ways you're just you're, you're able to decipher um who is genuinely making a well-constructed factual argument. And when I first got to college, boy, I had a real problem with that. I had a real problem with that. I could understand. I didn't have the reading comprehension issue per se. I, I knew what they were arguing. I knew what they were arguing. But I, I was like, well, how, come, how am I supposed to decide who's right here? And that is forever in life going to be a difficult challenge. But with that, what my degree in philosophy gave me more than anything was one, an appreciation for philosophy in ways I didn't know I could. Number two, critical thinking and reasoning skills. Number three, Um, uh, uh, the ability to construct an argument uh, and, and many other things as well. It was the best decision I ever made. Truly, truly the best decision I ever made. And I don't regret it for a second. I hedged it by getting the political science double major thinking, well, if I go into government work, this will be some kind of path to something, right? Maybe go into public policy or whatever. But looking back on it all i've made so many stupid choices in my life so many bad ones i'll never regret that one i still to this day am could not have been happier could and 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 not have made a smarter choice in my life all right i've got to go i appreciate you guys watching thank you so much by the way mma fighting crew is in brazil don't sleep so look out for coverage all the way from rio de janeiro thank you guys so much for watching until next time Stay frosty.